Alex Ferrara, and I'm taking a deep dive into the world of beauty and women's health. I'm asking all the questions and trying every product and trend so you don't have to. Get ready for a little glam and a lot of info. This is Glow Up and Speak Out. So I had a baby. It felt like I was pregnant for about two years, but it finally happened. I finally did the thing. My little son, John, was born January 8th at 3.10 a.m. in New York City at Mount Sinai West. And I have to say, my pregnancy was really difficult in that there were not a lot of complications. I was very lucky. My baby was very healthy the whole time. I felt sick pretty much every single day (laughs) for those nine months. But my delivery went so well, and I felt very empowered, and I felt so taken care of, and we both came out of it healthy and happy. So I have a lot to say. I have a lot to talk about, about my experience, things I recommend, what got me through those first few weeks of postpartum. As I'm recording this, I am five and a half weeks out, so I am really in the thick of it. My husband isn't even back to work yet. We are so lucky in New York. You get really, really good paternity leave. And we actually talk about a lot how millennials are the first generation that get any sort of paternity leave at all, which is ridiculous. But he gets great paternity leave. So we've been in this little bubble of just, you know, home with our little guy figuring it out. So as I said, I got really sick during my pregnancy, but my first like week, week and a half, two weeks, I felt okay. And I felt weirdly energetic and I got a lot of research done. Thank God. The whole pregnancy, I was just thanking my past self for doing that research. I did a lot of research on, okay, what is the difference between a doula, an OB, and a midwife? Like, what does everyone actually do? Who do you actually need? I decided on a doula and OB combo, and here's why. A midwife pretty much does everything an OB does, except she's not a surgeon. So if you have an emergency C-section or any sort of complications, the midwives can only go so far. But they just offer more of a holistic approach. A doula does not really do anything medically, but she is there solely for your psychological well-being and as your coach, like your guide, your touch point. So I thought, okay, let's get the best of the best with a doula and with an OB. We found our doula through Carriage House Birth, which is a doula agency here in New York, which I also highly recommend if you're in the area. So my OB, Dr. Shulina at Mount Sinai West, highly recommend. She was really, really cool. And I chose her because she did not study in America. She studied in Europe. So she has a really, really different view. And, you know, in Europe, they care about the mom, about the woman postpartum. They care about you after the baby is born, which sometimes in the U.S. we can have a tendency to be like, okay, you had your baby. Good luck. And my OB really cared about my pelvic floor health, my recovery. I felt like she was really looking out for my well-being the whole time. She also is fully trained in medicine, you know, delivers at a hospital, is a surgeon, but also believes in some holistic practices to help you, like acupuncture. She recommended acupuncture for me when I was so sick. She gives everyone a referral for pelvic floor PT, which is not something every OB does. And then my doula was my coach, my touch point, my guide leading up to it, helping me learn all the choices I had. She helped me come up with my birth preferences, which she called it preferences as opposed to a birth plan, because as we know, plans go out the window. 
And I think it's so interesting because there's a lot of misconceptions about doulas. Like when I said I was working with a doula, some people just assumed I was having a home birth, you know, in like a water tank. And our pediatrician said, okay, I know you're working with a doula. And some doulas, you know, are against vaccines, but we do recommend getting your baby vaccinated. And we, I was like, no, 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 no. I am fully a vaccine person. And my doula is not pushing her own agenda at all. She wanted to make sure I understood all of the areas that I had a choice in. She wanted to make sure that nothing was being done to me that I didn't understand. And she wanted me to feel empowered in my decisions. And she wanted to help me understand what was going on the whole time. And then when I was in labor, the plan was for her to be my support person. The other thing about doulas is they can fully help you at a hospital birth and be just an extra source of support. And my doula has assisted with more than 300 births. She's worked in Europe. She's a certified lactation consultant. So I chose her as just a really experienced support person who has seen all kinds of births and who has been doing this for over 20 years. Okay. In terms of a birth plan. I didn't have anything so specific, except I wanted to give birth at a hospital with my OB, with my doula, with my husband, and I wanted things to progress as naturally as possible. So what I pictured in my head happening was that I would spontaneously go into labor at home. My doula would come. She would help me labor at home for as long as possible. And then she would help us get to the hospital And then I would try and see how far I could get without an epidural. If I needed an epidural, I would get one. But I would try to give birth in a hospital setting with as little interventions as possible. That was my goal. I didn't want to have Pitocin. I didn't want to have anyone break my water. I didn't want any of those interventions if I could help it, knowing full well that shit happens. And this is why we have medicine and things go out the window. But that was what I was hoping would happen. So all of that completely went out the window. I was doing every single labor-inducing trick in the book. I pretty much threw my back out curb walking, honestly. The dates, the tea, the spicy food, the birth ball exercises. I mean, you name it, I was doing it. And it was, nothing was happening. Like, literally nothing was happening. But what was happening is my baby was getting very, very, very big. He was projected to be nine pounds, over nine pounds by my due date. And I developed something called polyhydramnos at the end, which is too much fluid. And it's not great to have too little fluid or too much fluid. And I'm going to be honest, I'm not an expert in this because when I looked up the risks of too much fluid, I started getting really freaked out and I didn't want to know. But all of that is to say I had to be induced. Like I just could not go any longer because it wouldn't be safe for him or for me. So I was really nervous about an induction. For some reason, the idea of going into labor naturally, and it could happen any time, didn't freak me out. But the induction freaked me out. Knowing the exact date, knowing that it would happen that date, was really unsettling to me. And there was something unsettling to me knowing that my body wasn't doing this naturally and that I would have to have interventions to go into labor because I was worried that my body would reject those interventions and that then I would have complications because I'd heard horror stories about inductions lasting three days, about them causing all these complications. 
So I was nervous. I was really, really nervous. There was something more comforting to me mentally about things just happening naturally than all these interventions. I was very scared. That being said, it was the best thing that could have happened. My body and my baby just needed like a little push, a little help, and then everything happened the way it was supposed to. So I go in and I decided to have the epidural first thing because the first thing they had to do was do a Foley balloon to open the cervix because nothing was happening. There was nothing opening. And I just felt like I would be too tense to let the Foley balloon do its job if I didn't get the epidural. That being said, getting the epidural in was probably one of the worst parts of the entire thing. I am not going to lie. I didn't know that getting the epidural in takes a full 15 minutes. I thought it was like quicker, just like getting it took 15 minutes and you can't move. You can barely breathe. You could hear everything. You can feel stuff. I hate needles. Picturing what was going on back there, I think was worse than the Pitocin contractions that I had. Like, I'm not going to lie, but this is me. You know, not everyone has this experience. I have a needle thing. It took me a while to even like go to acupuncture. Something else my OB does is she doesn't let you get the full epidural, meaning like you're not fully, fully numb. So I could feel a lot. I had enough of the epidural to take the edge off, but she wants you to be able to feel your muscles and feel where to push because you're not supposed to really be pushing with your pelvic floor. That's how you do damage. And as she was describing me how to push and what muscles I should be using, she wanted me to be able to feel that. So yeah, it wasn't so fun in the moment, but I'm definitely grateful for it now. Okay, so then they do this Foley balloon that they insert to like open your cervix up and that takes a while. This all takes a while. There's a lot of hurry up and wait with inductions. And thank God my doula had walked me through, you know, we had like an hour phone call about what may or may not happen when you get induced and how to prepare. So I brought my comfort show, which is Beverly Hills Housewives. And I was just streaming that and I was trying to rest. So once the Foley balloon did its job. Then we started with the Pitocin, which makes you have contractions. So it starts really low. And at first you can see on this monitor, like, oh, I'm having a contraction right now. And you couldn't even feel it. And then they turn it up and they turn it up and they turn it up and they turn it up. Then it starts to really hurt. So like, so yes, this was very, very painful. I threw up um, because I was in so much pain at one point, but I got really, really lucky because my time in labor was, and being in that much pain was pretty short considering. My water ended up breaking naturally. And then all of a sudden I was fully dilated and my OB, like my OB, not someone else from the practice was able to make it there. So another reason I felt so lucky was because I had my dream team, my OB that I loved and trusted, my doula that I loved and trusted, my husband. And what my doula was doing during labor, the only way I can explain it is she was like a coach, like a coach you would have in an athletic setting, but also a therapist, but also a nurse. Like she knew I was going to throw up before I threw up and like had the bucket. She knew I was going to throw up before my husband even. She was helping the nurses. She was assisting. After I threw up, she was diffusing essential oils to help relax me. And when you're in the hospital like that, those shift changes can be abrupt you get used to a nurse and you really bond with them. And then all of a sudden it's like, okay, I have to go. And you're like in the middle of labor and someone new comes in that you've never met. And 
my doula was like this constant person that was there the entire time. So then when it came time to push, my OB described the position she wanted me to push in. My doula understood it immediately. They both kind of described to me what I needed to be doing. I ended up doing this like legs up, um, pulling on this scarf thing called a rebozo and like an ab crunch with every contraction. It was really hard. The other thing she was doing is in between contractions, she was doing the perineal massage to create space to help prevent me from tearing too much, which I'm also very, very grateful for. They were both just cheering me on the whole time. And I only had to push for 45 minutes which is crazy because my baby was nine pounds and six ounces. So this could have gone on much, much longer. I think why my push time was so short was a few things. I think it was, you know, I was really sick. I could barely work out, but by God, I did something every day, even if it was 10 minutes of prenatal yoga, even if it was 10 minutes of sitting on that exercise ball, doing the pelvis opening exercises. I think not being completely numb helped me. I think having my doula there, coaching me, helping me make every single push count helped me. But I am so grateful that I only had to push for under an hour. I had a little tear, tiny, minor. It's pretty much already healed. And then he was born. We had a great experience at Mount Sinai after the nurses in the postpartum recovery room were angels. Honestly, a good nurse is an angel person. These nurses were unbelievable. I felt so taken care of. They have the hardest job. I could never do their job. The patience, the kindness was just unbelievable. So I just want to say a huge thank you to nurses literally everywhere, especially at Mount Sinai West. Just the best. My husband cut the cord. No one could believe how much he weighed and that I didn't have to have a C-section. Every nurse we met from then on out said, oh, you have a C-section? No. And they could not believe I had a baby over nine pounds and that I was okay. I can't believe it either. Thank God. We had a really great two nights at the hospital. We felt really taken care of. And thank God for those two nights. I was not the cute mom in the cute pajamas with the full face of makeup in the hospital bed with the cute photo. I had intentions of that. I wanted to do that. I brought the cute pajamas. I brought some makeup. But guys, I was bleeding so much. I think I had a really big baby. I had extra fluid. I had a one, a full one pound placenta. There was just a lot going on. You know, I could bear the week before I delivered, like I could barely walk. I couldn't get out of bed. I had to have my husband like help me out of bed and help me out of a chair. So I think there was just a, I was carrying a lot. And so then I was also bleeding a lot. And no one really likes to talk about those first three weeks postpartum because they're, they can be kind of gruesome. And that being said, they're a little gruesome in the healing process, but they're also so amazing. And you have your baby. And I was so happy that he was okay and that he was healthy. So I really feel like in media and just in life in the past generations, we have not done a good job of accurately depicting the postpartum period, specifically those first two to three weeks. 
And I know in older generations, it wasn't cool to talk about it. It was just like, you know, everything about being a mom, you had to just say, it's beautiful. I'm so grateful. And it wasn't okay to say, I'm so grateful to have my baby and I love my baby, but also I'm bleeding a lot right now and I can't walk. And that's hard, you know, but I feel like now we understand more that a few things can be true at the same time. A few conflicting things can be true at the same time. And we're talking way more honestly about women's health. Thank God. So the World Health Organization, the WHO, called the first six weeks after birth the most critical phase in the lives of new mothers and babies. But they've also called it the most neglected period for the provision of quality care. So that first month in a baby's life is so critical and they have a million pediatrician appointments and everyone's watching very, very carefully. How are they eating? How are they sleeping? They need to be monitored 24-7. Are they gaining enough weight? They can't get a fever until they have their two-month shots. I mean, there's a lot of constant care. And then for the mom, when they discharge you for the hospital, you're supposed to be watching. Are you hemorrhaging? Are you passing large blood clots? Are you developing preeclampsia? Are you swelling? Like you're supposed to be really monitoring yourself too, because a lot of things can happen to the mom as well. So the mom and the baby need constant 24-7 support. And we don't set women up for that in this country. In fact, people still talk about maternity leave like it's some sort of vacation. But yeah, I don't think we do a great job of setting women up for realistic expectations of those first two weeks. It's intense. So you have a baby and if you have a boy, you're dealing with the post-op circumcision care. You're dealing with the belly button care. You're dealing with your own care, which is if you have a vaginal birth, you most likely have some stitches down below. You're bleeding a ton. It hurts to sit down. It hurts to walk. I was sitting on a donut pillow for two weeks. You are exhausted and you're having the baby blues, this like weepiness that happens for two weeks, which is so different from postpartum depression. Postpartum depression, you know, is when things linger. You don't feel bonded to your baby. You feel like you're having intrusive thoughts. It's this like massive anxiety, depression that doesn't go away. The baby blues is what everyone experiences, which is just you're experiencing this massive hormone drop. And so those first two weeks, you're crying over every little thing. I was crying about oh my gosh, I came home and like my home is different and the time with Vin and I, my husband and I is over, even though I'm so intensely happy to have the best baby ever that I love so much. But there's this grieving process of your old life a little bit and you feel it in a way that, you know, right now I'm feeling it like, oh yeah, but those first two weeks you feel it in a way that just makes you cry. I also went through this very strange thing of feeling attached to my OB and to my doula. So my OB doesn't do the six-week checkup. See, she sees you at two weeks and then at two months. So I had my two-week appointment with her. And when I left, I started crying because I thought, no, surely I still have to come back every week. Like I just felt this separation. I felt like I was just dropped in the middle of nowhere. I just felt like I wasn't ready to separate from her yet. I feel like I needed to keep seeing her. And I think as I had such a good labor experience and I felt so supported by my doula and by my OB, I wanted to just be near them and see them. Um, so that was interesting. And then the other thing that made me feel a little weepy was that I could not breastfeed and it was really hard for me. And this is another thing I think that's not talked about enough is that breastfeeding is really hard. There's so many complications, 
low supply. The milk doesn't come in. Your baby has a tongue tie. Your baby can't latch. You get mastitis. There are so many things that are difficult about breastfeeding and also some women can't breastfeed. So in my situation, we worked with a lactation consultant at the hospital and also my doula did some postpartum visits and she's a lactation consultant. And what happened was my son latched immediately. Like he had no issue. He knew exactly what to do from the time he came out. Easy peasy. The issue was I was not making enough. And it just, everyone was like, oh, but it can take five to seven days. Well, five and seven days came and went. I was pumping. We were doing skin to skin. We were practicing latching. Nothing was coming out except like a few little sips. And it was just not improving. And I finally had to call it because I was spending all of this time pumping and like doing research and for literally no result. And it just was not changing. And I had a big hungry baby. So I had like a little weepy moment of like, oh, he knows what to do. He's latching and like, I'm the problem. And breastfeeding still kind of feels like a little club, like a little secret club that I'm not in. But once I got past those two kind of intense hormonal weeks, I can see things way clearer now, which yeah, I can't breastfeed. You know what I mean? But also I didn't have to have a C-section and I had a great delivery experience and my baby's healthy. And it's like, you can't have every single thing. And really my theory is that everyone gets kicked in the butt somewhere with having a baby. Like no one has it all sunshine and roses, whether it's hard to get pregnant, you have a hard pregnancy, breastfeeding's hard, labor's hard. You have a colicky baby. Like everyone kind of gets kicked in the butt at some point in the process. So for me, it was feeling sick every day in my pregnancy and not being able to breastfeed. Breastfeeding moms are literal heroes. I don't know how you all do it. I was pumping and trying to breastfeed for two weeks and it almost broke me. It's just a whole other full-time job on top of like 50 other full-time jobs. And anyone who breastfeeds is amazing. It's hard. It's complicated. It is so time-consuming. So just in case, I had done research and picked out a formula that I was comfortable with before I had him, and the formula I picked out was Bobby. I love Bobby, B-O-B-B-I-E. It has no corn syrup, no palm oil. It has iron. It has DHA. It's modeled after the European formulas, but it is completely FDA-approved in the U.S., and there's Bobby, and there's Bobby Gentle if you have a baby with a sensitive stomach. And he's doing great on Bobby. He is sleeping well, eating well, all of the things. He's getting super strong. He started lifting his neck up at like two weeks. Um, so we love Bobby over here and I'm so grateful for it. I'm just really happy to have a formula that I trust. And I just feel like there's so many better options now. And thank God. I was listening to a podcast recently where a woman had to go back to work after two weeks postpartum, and I know that's a lot of women in this country, and I feel so lucky that that's not my situation, and I am so passionate about paid 
family leave for everyone. At two weeks postpartum, I mean, are you kidding? You are bleeding through everything that you wear. Your boobs are leaking if you're breastfeeding. You're pumping. You're a disaster. It's probably hard to walk and hard to sit down. I mean, let alone if you're a C-section mom, you know, you've just had this massive surgery. I mean, it's ridiculous. Those first two, three weeks are really, really, really intense. So I want to talk about some postpartum supplies that really helped me. So I heard a lot of talk before I delivered about, okay, you're going to be in diapers because you're not going to want to wear your real underwear because you're going to bleed through. You're going to have to wear like the postpartum diapers, like the postpartum diapers or a thing. Okay. So you don't have to wear Depends. You really don't have to. My sister-in-law recommended the Frida Mom Disposable Boy Short Briefs, and they're gray and they're thin, and you can throw them away. They're moisture-wicking. They're comfortable. They look like tiny little biker shorts, and that's what I decided to wear, and I loved them. I like don't want to go back to my normal underwear at this point because I loved them so much, and they just felt so much better and less bulky than a depend situation. And what I did was I wore the Freedom Mom disposable boy shorts with a pad underneath. So then let's talk about the pads. I also heard a lot about, okay, make padsicles. Get a pad, put witch hazel on it and aloe and blah, 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 and all this stuff, and then put it in the freezer. Okay, I did not have time for that, and I didn't feel good enough pre-delivery to do that, and I certainly did not feel up to that project a few days postpartum. So what I discovered are there these Frida, first of all, so I'm obsessed with the brand Frida Mom, and there's Frida Baby too, but the Frida Mom stuff for postpartum is just insanely amazing. So I found these Frida Mom Instant Ice Pack Pads, okay? So what you do, it's literally, they're all individually wrapped. You fold them in half. They kind of pop. You shake them up, and it's a pre-ready, already made pad that has a cooling ice pack sensation. You don't have to keep them in the freezer. You just crack them, shake them, put them in. They were so easy to use and they felt so good. It was so helpful. I cannot even tell you. The other pads I found are by this brand, this female founded company called Honey Pot. Um, it's founded by a woman named Beatrice and she has these herbal infused pads, which I liked the ones that were infused with mint, lavender, and aloe. They also gave a cooling sensation. They weren't like cold, but the mint and aloe gave kind of like a cool feel because again, everything's healing. So you want cold in that area, but Honey Pot and Frida Mom are brands that I love. I would love to talk to the founders just putting that out there. So we all need to talk to someone from time to time. We could all use a good therapy session. Where it gets hard is it can feel really daunting to do the research to find the right person for you. It can be really expensive. And trying to find time in your day to leave your house or to leave work to go to a physical appointment is real tricky sometimes, especially after COVID. So that's where BetterHelp comes in. BetterHelp will match you with a virtual therapist in 24 hours. They do all the work for you. And if you don't love the first person they match you with, you can go back to the drawing board and they can match you with someone else. It's also all virtual. So you don't have to leave your office. You don't have to leave your apartment. You don't have to leave your house. 
If you're going through a rough patch right now and you need a little support, this is a great option for you. And even if you're not, even if you just need to vent about a bad day you had or you just want a listening ear, try BetterHelp. And for 10% off of your first month of virtual therapy, use code SPEAKOUT at checkout. That's code SPEAKOUT at checkout for 10% off your first month of virtual therapy. For more information, just scroll down to the bottom of the show notes for this episode. And thank you, BetterHelp, for sponsoring this podcast. So how am I doing now? I am feeling pretty good considering this massive life change. I'm really excited because I officially went to my first pelvic floor PT assessment appointment. I'm doing pelvic floor physical therapy, which also includes therapy for diastasis recti, which is the ab separation. And I had the full assessment and she said that my pelvic floor is tight in some places, weak in some areas. So we're going to work on that. And we're also going to work on my ab separation, which I'm really relieved because apparently I don't have severe diastases recti, which I totally thought I did because of how big I got. It's moderate. It's only one to two fingers in width and it's not all the way down. It's just in the upper ab area. So we're going to rehab the pelvic floor rehab the ab separation because yes, I feel good and I can walk around and I'm doing yoga, but I want to get back into more high intensity stuff like kettlebell swings, reformer Pilates. I want to be jumping for an hour in a dance cardio class, you know, and I want to make sure I'm doing those things safely. So I'm super excited to start PT. Um, my rib cage expanded so, so much. And one of my ribs is kind of having trouble settling and coming back down. So I'm going to the chiropractor for that. And then The other thing I just did is I got a full hormone thyroid vitamin deficiency blood work panel done with my functional medicine doctor just to see where I'm at, how my thyroid medicine needs to be adjusted, if I need to be on some different supplements because giving birth is the most massive hormone shift ever. Also, I am taking my placenta pills. So for anyone who's ever done this or who doesn't know, this is not like taking home your placenta and throwing it in a saucepan and cooking it and eating it. Like absolutely not. I would puke. This is a professional takes your placenta in a cooler, dehydrates it and like grounds it up into these little capsules that just look like a vitamin and you take it. I've been taking it three times a day with meals. And my doula is also certified in placenta encapsulation. And when she came over after I had the baby to make her visits to check in on us, she said, you know, take this many, this many times a day with food. And she said, okay, but if you feel really jittery, like you had too many shots of espresso and you can't sleep and like your heart is racing, take down the dosage. And I thought, yeah, okay, sure. But I doubt that's going to happen to me. Well, it did. So I don't have the scientific research on why the placenta encapsulation helps your mood and gives you energy, but it does. I had too much energy. I couldn't take a nap and I was exhausted and I was up all night and I was a week postpartum and all of the things and I was having trouble sleeping. So I had to lower my dosage. I only have anecdotal evidence that a lot of women I know who have taken their placenta pills have not struggled with postpartum depression. So I decided to try it and I have to say, I think there's something to it. I think it's been helping me for being a little over five weeks postpartum, you know, I have pretty good energy. I mean, yes, I'm tired. I'm a new mom. Of course I'm tired. I'm still healing. I have a newborn, but considering all of that, I've been functioning pretty well. 
So I'm a fan of the placenta encapsulation for sure. Oh, the other thing my doula told me to do is I had extra pills because my placenta was so large and she had me freeze them and she told me to take them during my first postpartum period. So I haven't gotten my period yet, but when I do, she said it will help me with my period. So I'll also report back on that. My OB shared that the first period I have after having a baby will be the worst one I've ever had, the heaviest and most painful. So can't wait. And I hope the placenta pills help. Also, I'm still kind of in a bubble because my husband isn't back to work yet. So we're still in this bubble of not really working and just taking care of our baby. So when life gets a little more real, I'll have more updates on that. But it definitely is a massive identity shift on top of everything else. You look completely different. I mean, I'm a little over five weeks out. I do not have a stitch of clothing that fits me right now. Like I'm wearing two piece wetsuit sets. I don't have any clothes that fit me. I think my feet grew a half size. So I also don't have shoes. My skin on my face is drier than it's ever been in my entire life. I just look completely different for now, which is a little tricky. Everything about my life is completely different and everything about the future is kind of a big question mark because for me, getting back to work, I think might look a lot different because pre-baby, my work was fit modeling, commercials, voiceovers, podcasting. So I might not be a fit model anymore because I have a different body now. And in terms of auditioning for projects, for acting projects, I also look different and that is going to play a part. So it's just all a big question mark right now. And I heard on a podcast recently where two moms were talking about postpartum struggles and ups and downs and how they said it took them a year before they could get dressed without crying. (laughs) which is so sad, but so honest. It's hard because you spend your entire pregnancy, you know, I was wearing like sweater dresses and just like stretchy shirts. And then you have the baby and you get a little more energy and you feel like you're healing. And right now I'm like, I want to go out and have dinner. I want to feel good about myself. And you have not one article of clothing that fits you. And I also don't have shoes. So it's not like something I'm thinking about all day. I'm mostly thinking about how good I'm feeling considering I had a baby five weeks ago. It's just when I go to get dressed in something that's not sweatpants, that's kind of when it feels hard. And just adjusting to, you know, life not coming and going as I please. I had a long time of like doing whatever I wanted whenever I want to do it. And, you know, so that's a huge adjustment. And, you know, it's so cliche, but what everyone says is so true that it's the hardest but best time of your life. It's hard because your entire life is different in the blink of an eye and it's like whiplash. And it's the best because you have the sweetest little baby that you love so much John is already so expressive. He's smiling. He's laughing. He's making the funniest faces. And it's just the cutest thing ever. And we love him so much. And we can't wait to show him everything. We can't wait to go to Central Park and the Natural History Museum and all of the New York things that he's just going to love. I'm also trying to remember the simplicity in this time because right now all he literally wants to do is sleep, eat, and hang out with us. 
you know, there's no potty training yet. There's no friends at school drama. There's no trying out for sports teams. There's no homework. You know, it really is a simple time. Like all he wants to do is hang out with us. So I'm trying to enjoy that. I also just have to say a huge thank you to my community of moms. That means from home in St. Louis, from college, from here in New York, in Queens, in Brooklyn, moms I used to nanny for when I first moved to the city, moms I've met in Central Park that I've become friends with, moms in my building who have said, hey, I'm here if you need support. Just this community of moms near and far who've been reaching out in person virtually, making sure I'm okay, giving me recommendations for books to read, podcast episodes to listen to about how to get John on a schedule, how to navigate the first few months, sending me gifts, sending me food delivery gift cards, checking in on me via text, Instagram. I have just felt so supported and I think that new moms are amazing. Anyway, we are completely in the thick of it and just still figuring out everything out. And something I'm really feeling right now, have you guys heard that quote where it's taking care of your baby isn't hard. It's doing anything else that's hard. I am feeling that so much right now. I am so lucky. We have a pretty chill baby. Taking care of him and feeding him and putting him to bed and like contact naps and going for a walk, making his bottle is not the hard thing. It's getting literally anything else done while you're doing that is the hard thing. So what I want is just like a magical little assistant that does all of the other stuff that I don't want to do, like housework, taxes, just any sort of like little tasks that I need to get done. You know, blow my hair dry. That would be great. Like those are the hard things. It makes so much sense now. Yeah. So we're just like truly at this beginning phase. He's not even two months yet and we're just figuring it out. 24 seven. And I can't wait to keep updating you on what I find that works. I'd also love to hear from any listeners who are new moms thinking about becoming new moms, what questions you have, what answers you have, all of it. So reach out anytime and talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to glow up and speak out. If you liked this episode, it would mean so much if you could follow, rate, and review the show on Apple or Spotify. And for more content, make sure to check out our Instagram at glowupandspeakout. and speak out.